Good afternoon, Dave. Happy Dark Mass. Happy Dark Mass. There are a lot of dark things happening at mm. the moment. Dark mofo. Correct. Because it's uh, what, winter solstice? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of breweries are riffing on that. I think Fixation did like a dark thingy last night. Oh, yeah. I've seen other bits and pieces. And we're at Three Ravens for the Dark Mass, which is pretty cool. We're standing, or oh, sorry, we're sitting in a little room. Um, there's a Dark Mass poster by us. We've got yeah. a candle on our table. It's all very broody. Yeah, but there's a uh, there's a lot of candles, right? I mean, this is uh, looks. It's just candlelight around us. There's a door off its hinges. I don't know what that means, but it's spooky. It adds to it for some some reason. I feel like it's it makes sense. Did you say there's an axe? Adds adds. Oh right, yes, of course. Um, you just smashed down some some food. Can you tell us about that food? Sure, I had some uh, rotisserie chicken, quinoa, and beet salad, and some um, Brussels sprouts, and that's pretty goddamn good. Don't eat chicken skin. If it's not crispy, I don't eat it. No, mm. I'm a chicken skin fiend. Yeah, and I get it. It's do just you that yeah. not, you don't do it. <laughs> no, I understand it, but like the texture of chicken skin when it's not crispy weirds me out a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm into the texture. Um, I think I like. Rubbery and sort of jelly textures in food. We do a dish that's got black fungus in it, mm-hmm. uh, which you soak, like you get it dried and you soak it and it comes out really rubbery. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm really into it. Nice. That's fun. Uh, yeah, it's black, so it's suitable for the day. Ooh. Hey. So, so, like we were trying to dissect it a bit earlier and we didn't really get anywhere. Yeah. What's, what are the cornerstones of like dark culture? Candles. What is it? Candles, yep. right? Isn't that ironic? The source of light is a cornerstone of dark culture. I got a um, Uber here, and the songs in the Uber were uh, there was time for three songs. First one was the Lighthouse Family. Okay. Uh, Forever. We. Uh, yeah, I know that one. Banger. Also not very dark. The next one was something about angels. Must have been touched by an angel. That song. Okay. Yeah. Again, not quite. Oh, it's so getting the opposite into of what it. I'm coming into. Right. Yeah. And then it was. That's why they call it the blues by Elton John, which is kind of getting there. Yeah. I feel like if you took it from a further away station, you would have arrived at the right song. I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I thought it was a fun little juxtaposition. Yeah. You're getting. Yeah. You were moving in the right direction. Um. Now, I was going to note down some news, but I didn't really have any. All we had was candles, by the way. We didn't really... Uh, oh, yeah, dark break. stuff. Yeah. Um, poetry. The occult. Wiccans, the occult. We... I mean, we cover a lot of that on the Hypothetical Institute. Sure. Um, Salty, which we'll chat to soon, does a lot of dark-related art stuff. But he's not really a dark dude. Like, he's into metal, but he's not... Like, he's never lit... I don't think he's ever had a candle or a, a Wiccan prayer at his house. Right, Okay. So it's not really dark at all. Do you... I used to wear mostly black. I've kind of changed from that lately. I am oh, wearing black for the occasion. I went through a bit of a... I did, I did as well today. Um, I went through a bit of a phase um, of, of doing that, but not with any, like, real purpose, I don't think. It's just practical clothes. Yeah, it is. It's easy. Um, I was even going to wear black shoes that I have. I bought them at Kmart for like one event one time. Yeah. They're really uncomfortable. And I was, like, I was putting them on him. I was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, being black, you know. And she's like, come on. I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. Life's too short for uncomfortable yeah. shoes. Yeah. And no one is going to notice that I'm going for a theme. No. 
Um, hey, Brendan. Good. We're. Rec- I, I I said that like you're going to be on the show. <laughs> are you? Are you going to have time for a chat at some point? Now? All right. No. We've got Brendan there. Bloody. What are you now? Hang on. Let me stop this. What's your, what's your job here now, Brendan? Uh, head brewer officially. Okay. Um, more of a production director role. Uh, in the scheme of the business, it's a, such a small company, but uh, myself and our manager have taken on more of a more of the direction and strategy and uh, running of the the company. Um, What's your understanding of dark culture? We're trying to discuss what dark culture what actually dark is. Yeah, just like the people that are into the culture of darkness. Uh-huh. Are and like, are what are the cornerstones of dark yeah. culture? That's a really good question. Yeah, I think I've always um, really liked dark music um, for whatever reason, whether it's um, an enjoyment of dark themes or... um, Yeah, really, really interesting question. Um, It's hard to say. I think it's related to personality, um, to... um, I don't want to say intellect, but um, just the way your brain works and what you you enjoy. Um, Some people like... Um, the light and bright happy things and flowers and rainbows and some people really enjoy um, the idea of um, you know Satan whether it's you know just the, the concept of it being like a an entertaining idol or yeah. you know like skulls and you know stuff that's cool to, yeah, cool yeah. to look at um, the aesthetics of the yeah. Satanism side is pretty cool yeah I think it's it's yeah I mean there's there's two sides of Satanism there's the you know the people that see it as a as a thing that's not real, but is an antithesis of certain ideologies in the world. Mm. Um, what's and that, what's the guy that founded that's name? Um, Anton Lavey. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Uh, who wrote the the Book of Satan? It was a really um, sensible book, right? Like yeah, it was, it was kind of like a self. Do you know about this? No, story I don't. Day? No, we talked about things. it a lot on the hypothetical like, interview. Don't be a dick. Yeah, um, it was like a it was almost like a self help book. It wasn't about following you know sacrificing things to satan or anything but and he would he was going on tv a lot at the time you know in the 80s when they had satanic panic and kind of defending that you know satanism isn't about all the darker culture but he'd do it while wearing like a robe so he started like leaning into it and it's like you're not really helping yourself <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of the insane clown posse as well that yeah, you know yeah. they was you know purported to be killer clowns and psychopathics and Really, their message was always about God, um, yeah. and it was about kind of appealing to a demographic that wouldn't otherwise follow religion or wouldn't otherwise have order or, um, uh, you know, a, a governing overseeing device or something to to help steer them in the right direction. So mm. for them, it was about kind of appealing to those the lost people and giving them something to strive for and a community and a way to better themselves. Mm. Uh, you say you've always been attracted to dark culture. Yeah, I've seen you wearing very bright clothes on more than one occasion. <laughs> Do you, and I think I think of myself as well. Like I love dark music, um, leaning into you know goth or, or a lot of metal music. Yep, I love Slayer. They're one of my favourite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. But also I love rave music and dancing and happiness. Yep. Yep. Same. Yeah. I, I like. Uh, I embrace both. It's it's, it's, there's an aspect of um, sadomasochism as well. I think in people that really like black coffee and bitter things and um, I think it's sort of in that same spectrum of, of people enjoying a little bit of um, something unpleasant or 
yeah, mm. enjoying bitterness and enjoying things chilly and things that, that hurt them. I don't know if they're related. That's a really good answer. Yeah, from, great answer. Particularly if we didn't have the guest we on, we, we would have stumbled through that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Monopoly. Yeah. like we just did. Yeah. <laughs> that was much more interesting. Um, I think all we had was candles. Yeah, That's we what we said, and yeah. poetry. It's just things we could see around us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a door there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a really dark door. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm drinking a, a mocha porter on hand pump. Oh, cool. Yeah, me too. Delicious. Yeah, I just walked in and first you, thing I grabbed. Did you even see that there, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I was going to get it and then I panicked and looked back at the list and it's like in chalk at the side and I forgot about it. So uh, I got yeah, yeah, we I don't crank the hand pump up all that often. Yeah. Um, the seals don't work under well under pressure okay so it's the kind of thing we can't actually use a, an aspirator or keep a beer fresh on so we pull beers through like as you would real ale without yep. pressure um, but it just means the beer goes off in a couple of days and yeah, it's not something we can justify unless we're having an event what was the um, super high gravity beer you were tweeting about or you were facebooking or something uh, that would have been the imperial stout okay so um, that's just the what's yeah, it called barrel aged imperial milk stout or Bames. We've got a Is can. that the packaged one here? That's right, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah so we're launching the, the cans today on the solstice. I um, thought there was one that you tweeted that was like, or your Facebook, sorry, that was like so high gravity we couldn't measure it. Off the charts. It's only going to be 60 pours going or something. Oh, yep. So we've Th- done two variations of that uh, for today only. Yep. Um, we've got three versions of the Imperial Stout on tap, yep. um, all in 10 litre kegs. Okay. So we're doing 150 mil pours. There'll probably only be 60 ish pours of each depending on how generous the, um, the bar staff are. So I there's the straight barrel Asian Imperial Milk Stout, um, which is um, Brouhaha's beer, but ramped up to 14. Um, iterated mash, lots of brewing sugars, um, high-gravity yeast strain for secondary, and aged in uh, whiskey barrels for six months. Um, and then we just did two single keg variations, so one's with uh, strawberry, chocolate, and vanilla, and the other is with um, coconut, uh, wattle seed, maple, and vanilla. That's a fun combination wattle seed in there I think I've, that's what I've, I've just got, got a glass of them of each that's I wanted to get I've them before they run out can you smell that and tell me if that's the wattle seed one it is yeah, yeah. cool yeah it reminds me of whiskey for some reason like real intense have you had that on your day no I haven't uh, a little sneaky it's really yeah. yummy really that limited maybe I should get a couple yeah feels weird going for the um the 14% beers first off the bat but that, that's why I got that as a side to my mocha porter <laughs> <laughs> I've got two on the side so yeah. <laughs> great minds think alike yeah, or drink yeah. alike um, so you teamed up with Brouhaha for this this beer? Yeah, we've done a few collaborations with them lately, or them. Um, it was a natural fit. We're, we're label mates with them up in Brisbane, uh, and it just worked well. Like they approached us a couple of years ago, or feels like a couple of years ago now, to to, uh, to do a Nipa um, up there with them while we're in town. So we brewed a, a, a Golden Circle Fruit Cup Nipa with um, pineapple and orange and um, passion fruit, yep. I think. And we, we roped in one of the local homebrew clubs to come and zest a few boxes of oranges for us and Great. help out with brew day. Um, and that turned out really well. Um, and last Good Beer Week, I think about was about 14 months ago, um, Matt was down here and said you know, he wanted to do a collaboration, but we didn't have any fermenter capacity. So we tasted a bunch of barrels, um, as I tend to do without much encouragement. Yep. Um, and decided on a few wild collaborations. So they're soon to be released. There's a apricot saison and a, a strawberry and rhubarb pastry sour, um, both of which Matt was heavily involved with. Um, and we decided to schedule a date that he would come back to Melbourne and brew uh, brew this beer with us. Cool. So we did that October last year. 
Um, he came down. I think it coincided with a football game that he wanted to watch. Yep. Um, and his dad's dad's down here as well, so it was uh, all worked out really well. And we we took uh, his recipe uh, and yeah, just just ramped it right up. Uh, mashed maxed out our mash tun twice. Used the first runnings from the first beer to mash the second mash, yep. and used the second runnings to sparge the second mash. So a process called iterated mashing. Um, just to get um, as much sugar in there as possible. So yeah, that was the one that that was off our hydrometer. Um, um, what are the starting and finishing gravities of that? Do you remember? Well, it was off our hydrometer, so we're okay, not really sure. I think extrapolating. <laughs> we we ended up getting the beer analysed after fermentation, just to once it had um, bottomed out, so we could so we knew what to put on the label, um, uh, being fourteen point two percent. So extrapolating that out, I think it was probably about one point one three or one point one two five. Um, SG yep. and 1.022 final gravity. All right. Uh, we've just actually brewed a barley wine recently, um, a sort of collaboration we're doing with Newstead, um, tentatively titled My Big Dumb Beer is Bigger and Dumber Than Yours. Yep. Um, and we did a similar process, so iterated mash, but even more brewing sugars and a longer boil. Um, I think the Newstead beer went into barrel at about 15.78. Um, ours is around about the same, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who gets across the line higher. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, is there going to be any sort of blending of the two at some point to create a... Potentially, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have quite a bit of it. And as we found, uh, people don't really buy much barley wine, so you'll probably see it appear on a number of occasions over the next couple of years. You just need that don't drink beer meme to, <laughs> to sort of take hold across, you know, the Facebook group. We've got our fingers crossed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely I, banking on it. We've just bottled our second batch of stock ale, which is... Uh, a flat oxidized blended barley wine. Awesome. Um, and we haven't even sold the first batch yet, or okay. the or the, the batch that preceded that. So it's a <laughs> a labour of love and something I'm really <laughs> passionate about. Yeah. But is yet to take off. So what's that called when it hits uh, shelves? Is that the Druid? Celera Stock Ale. Celera Stock. Okay. Yeah. What's the Druid then? That's a, uh, a it's a Belgian quadruple, a quad- which yeah. is yeah. an American interpretation of a Belgian style. Yeah. Uh, quadruple doesn't really exist in Belgium. Um. We haven't brewed that. We brewed five five um, versions, uh, five in a row, and then we've given it a rest this yep. year. Usually it's around, could be a week that we release that, but we still have a little bit of stock left from last year. So so coming back to the flat oxidised barley wine, yeah. you mean, you've been accused of flogging the dead horse that is juicy, mm-hmm. uh, famously on the froth, cover of froth <laughs> recently. Um, Even my mates have been uh, giving me shit since we... Did the third or fourth variation, so yeah. I'm used to it. <laughs> Good. I embrace it. I had Mosaic and Simcoe the other day. Oh, a lot of fun. Simcoe was my jam for yeah, sure. Yeah, Simcoe's my favourite. I think it comes down to personal preference and yeah. what people like in hops. Um, I had a Mosaic last night and it was still tasting pretty good, but yeah, definitely agree that Simcoe's where I'm at. I don't think I like Mosaic. Everyone loves it. And I kind it's of a bit sweaty and a bit stinky, and yeah. I just don't think it suits my taste buds. Um, I, I get... That the sort of the bubblegummy um, fruit cocktail aroma from it. Yeah, maybe some berries just, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it just kind of stresses me out a bit. It's just a bit too much. Yeah. I think Citra, certain batches of Citra have had that effect on me too, where it's just a bit too in the methyl spectrum of like a, a sulfury garlic, onion, mm. sweat kind of department, which really comes down to your, I guess, your biology or your chemistry or how you taste and how you perceive things, whether you like it or not. Mm. Um, sorry, coming back to the barley wine. So, like, you're doing these, and you're doing milkshake beers, sours, and then flat oxidized barley wines. 
Um, I don't know. That seems such a almost light and dark juxtaposition that we're talking about. Like, we, is that, is we that do a bit of everything. I'm, I guess um, I enjoy all beer styles. Everything from you know mid-strength Australian pale lager through to barrel-aged imperial milk stouts. Um, and I think that's our strength as a as a company is the ability to brew a wide range of things and service a wide range of markets. We've got sort of the portfolio approach to to beer just as a natural evolution of our skill set and our, our capacity and our equipment. And um, yeah, I guess it's the perfect storm of, of the history of the brewery and the current state of the brewery um, and the staff and everything have come together to allow us to entertain these projects. And I think the, the whole reason for exploring that flat oxidized barley wine space is um, to engage with uh, people that like sherry. So trying to tap into restaurants and small bars and people that, enjoy oxidation and, and autolysis as a characteristic in a wine mm. and trying to kind of bring them into beer and show them that, that beer can have a similar character. Um, I'm not the first, I didn't, you know, not the first to do it. We used to serve a beer at Josie Bones when I was there called uh, Xiaoyu from Baladin, um, which is a yeah flat oxidized barley wine. Mm. Um, and it served a really, really good purpose in that environment of being you know at the end of a night after dinner or someone doesn't want dessert or they're having a dessert and um i want to fit beer into that experience uh offering a, a chulip of a beer that that resembles a sherry is a really valuable tool in in just adding to the arsenal of, of beer and um just adding a positive experience that surprises people and yeah it's something you don't see all that often uh heavy oxidation and autolysis being celebrated usually it's considered a, a fault you mentioned, delicious. you mentioned um, wine briefly and I was going to ask you about the wines that you've done, the wine hybrid beers. Mm-hmm. Um, you've released one? We've released four. Okay, are they all out? I believe. Been and gone. So we've done, okay. the first one was a Riesling a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, late 2017. Um, what was the one you released in March? We still haven't released it. So we okay. had um, a keg at the gala of the Merlot um, Skin Contact, Yarra Valley Merlot Skin Contact Salvia, yeah. uh, which is part of our Nat Rave range. Um, we had done had been doing some Skin Contact beers in the Wild Ravens range, but felt that it deserved its own series and its own uh, packaging and look and feel um, so that the people that would enjoy it uh, it was it was tailored to what they expect and the packaging that they and that's that sort of natural, natural wine exactly, clear bottle yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah I don't think the package really conveyed the pro- the, the product or what was yeah what the experience was so it's got its we're working on a, a separate brand the reason so we haven't released any is we just haven't had a label for it yeah so if I can show you around later we've got about ten beers bottle conditioned awaiting release. Um, Five in the Nat Rave range and five Wild Ravens. Awesome, um, that's that pretty fun sounding. Yeah, nice. Some on their side, some upright, which is uh, another debate that we <laughs> <laughs> embarked on today. <laughs> um, Dave, to bring you up to speed on that one, there was a Facebook post about salaring, and I think I was the first person to reply to it. And I'm just like, fucking, the argument around side or standing up, like no one, like no one's just, ever done any surveys or tests, so like whatever. Um, we condition on the side when we can to encourage faster refermentation yep. and you know uh, to avoid the formation of our flavors during conditioning um, and just for yeah better faster conditioning 
Uh, but once once they're conditioned, then we saw them upright. Yeah. Do you think long-term aging, there isn't a difference between on the side or standing up? There's a difference. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative one. Hmm. Um, so those wines, I've had a taste of... I think I've had a taste of all of them uh, at Probably the Gala Showcase. A couple more. Okay. Since oh, then. yeah, I've had a taste of the three. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think at the Gala Showcase, we had the um, closed system where people had headphones on while we were doing that masterclasses. Was perfect for me, yeah. Yeah, and that worked really well. Um, but I had my headphones on, I was away from the, the masterclass. Did you see that, Dave? No. Oh, it was good. It was we so did the good. silent disco bit for masterclasses. Yeah, right. Um, Great idea. Just worked so well. Of course it did, yeah. But people it also couldn't meant chat. Like, they couldn't engage with each other because they were wearing headphones. All they, all they could do was listen to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They couldn't ask questions. Yeah. Um, Sounds it perfect. Was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it worked really well. Like, people, I think, got more out of it because they weren't distracted by anything. Yeah. They, like, you know, when you listen to a podcast, you're locked in. Um, it's that same. And it was so good. And also, it didn't mean no one had to yell. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Which yeah. is so hard you in don't to, um It doesn't have to be encroaching on other people's space. Yeah. You, can just, you don't have to scream. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, I look forward to getting those beers out. I think they're um, hopefully something we can grow. At the moment, we're just doing really small batches of most of our wild beer yeah. because I'm mindful of beer sitting around in the market. I don't want to see our beers sitting on shelves in bottle shops because everyone that was interested in buying them has bought one and yeah. doesn't want another one. And that's a bit of a risk of some of the territory you're, you're exploring, right? It's like people get one and they're like, cool, that's done. I loved it, amazing, but what's the next what's the thing? Next thing? Yeah. I only believe that there's a... R- much wider market for both wild beer and the skin contact beer than currently exists. Yep. Um, so we just need to find that market, which is why we're spending so much time on the strategy and branding of the products to ensure that they are suitable for it and, and they reach a wider audience. And mm. um, hopefully we can scale up those batches to, to make um, you know, more than three or 400 litres at a time and mm. reach more people. Speaking of wild beer, what's that old ale looking like? Really, I haven't tried it since we last had it on tap, but it's pretty exciting. So it started as, to, uh, going back to the Druid, it was, I think, the, the third runnings of the Druid. Um, the process of making these really high-gravity beers means there's a lot of waste at the end of brew day, so we collect the, the really sweet first runnings, but um, as a result, we end up tipping quite a bit of work down the drain that could have made a, a pretty strong beer. So we made a, a double uh, a couple of years ago from the Druid final runnings, um, and some of that didn't... So we made about 60 or 70 litres and uh, filled a keg for an event and then had about 20 litres left over. So we we pitched our house culture onto that and just let it go wild. Um, and that's what we ended up with. It was a really bretty, funky beer that was dark but not particularly strong. Uh, we're calling it an old ale because that's exactly how it tasted. Uh, it wasn't brewed as one, but the flavour profile for me was exactly what you'd expect from an old ale. It was raisin and sherry and quite light bodied and had sort of that um, oxidized um, sort of a raisin like character. Sounds pretty good. Is old ale and stock ale interchangeable? Sort of. Yeah. I think they're similar, uh, but probably not exactly synonyms. And uh, both, I guess, my understanding is beers that you can kind of have there for blending, for tweaking, occasionally serving is that I think stock owls are typically really high gravity um, yep. and really high bitterness so to prevent souring yep. um, they would get Brett character but often not sourness um, I don't think old owls were typically as strong or as heavily hopped uh, yep. but I think they both served a similar purpose of beer for ageing to blend back in to give character and complexity and um, 
to add different layers uh, to beer, which is what we do with the Solero. We blend a little bit of that into the barley wine each year mm. um, and then top that barrel, those barrels up um, to create that Solero-style project. The first, um, first beer in that blend started about seven years ago Wow! Uh, when McNulty was still here. He brewed a double IPA that didn't attenuate. Um, so he put it in the fridge with some dextrose and some lager yeast added to it. Um, and it stayed the exact same pH and gravity for five years. <laughs> but developed really cool sherry-like flavours. Yeah, so cool. I've been using that, blending that into things over time and thought that it was uh, a fun idea to keep the last 50 litres and blend that into something that would keep going indefinitely. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, was pretty that's a good idea. Be, uh, Still part of it. Yeah. Uh, McNulty, Adrian McNulty from uh, now Moondog Brewery for people playing at home. Um, pretty exciting. They're moving in down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming really nearby. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, back in the neighbourhood. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a big fun. And it's, you, as you know, this is a pain in the ass to get to. So, like, <laughs> for people like Dave and I, and particularly you, Dave, you're coming from the other side of the city, right? Did you exactly. Uber, Dave, or a few. What's that? Train, tram, bus. Today tram. was train, train, bus, yeah. It's a good effort. Yeah. It was actually really smooth today, but it, like, any missed connection, and it could have been a different story, yeah. We had a council budget meeting here. Maybe six months ago now, um, up in Cobra upstairs, um, and the idea was local businesses would pitch their ideas to the council about what they wanted to spend money on. And uh, Moon Dogs, uh, Carl and Josh came down, and their suggestion was to put a tram down Dunder Street, um, so you could jump yeah. on the jump on a tram at High Street. Unbelievable, yeah. Come down past Jam Sheet, past Three Ravens, past uh, Moon Dog oh, on, the, right. on the way to here now. Northland. That's right. Yeah. Just Are they open yet? In the other direction. Not yet. No, okay. they're under construction. Jam Sheet um, Wines. That's really be, cool yeah. winery. Yeah, great if, foods. Great everything wines. jam sheety I've, I've loved. Um, mm. Their wines are so good. So Yeah, it's going to be incredible having them just down the road. Um, I think they will be more of a hub and a more, more of a reason for people to come out. Um, we've got a, a taco shop that's opened recently, Little Tienda, who's doing great things on Station Street. So I think there is things happening around here. Becoming a bit um, of a precinct, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. just just the, um, the zone next to us over this way uh, is getting rezoned residential. So there'll be hopefully more people living in the area and hopefully some more public transport to get people out closer and not, not having to walk, what is it, 800 metres down the road. Yeah. Um, now, coming back to the wines, I actually had a, a point and it's related to the dark world. Um, having those headphones on, I, I heard you talking to the audience. Uh, or not the wine, sorry, the beer wine. You call them hybrids? The beer fermented on skins? I've always called them hybrids. Yeah. Uh, I know Topher's really averse to the term hybrid. Okay. Um, because he finds that offensive because I guess we, we adopted the term hybrid because Max Allen was calling them that um, James Smith introduced him to what we were doing and um, Max Allen started calling them hybrids so we thought that seemed like an appropriate term uh, um, and I uh, had the headphones on I'd walked away from the master class and I heard you say describe one as dead body decomposing <laughs> um, and I think it might have been the first beer that people were tasting and I was Corpsey. just yeah and I was just like and you're like which I love and I was I was kind of too far away to be like, I don't know. I felt like I had to intervene at that point. Can you explain that comment? <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty common for wild beer um, to develop uh, offensive and almost rancid fatty acid character. Uh, particularly, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of lambic and what they refer to as the sick phase um, of young lambic and, and, you know, good lambic having to go through that sick phase of smelling like uh, a burning tyre fire, among other things. Mm. Um, the other things being cheese and feet and sort of aerobic character 
Um, and the result of having those really bad, stinky fatty acids early on, like encouraging that means that they get metabolized and become really positive aromas later on. And it, it's what gives Lambic its really rich, fruity and positive aroma when it mm. gets older. So we, we worked really hard to encourage all of these fatty characteristics in, in, um, in young beer. Um, and through evolution, they develop, they evolve and get esterified into positive characteristics. So it was Bill, our production manager, who described our, what was at the time nicknamed uh, polyphenol sour. Um, we're calling it an aromatic wild ale now. I think it's more succinct and describes what we were trying to accomplish by introducing heaps of polyphenol and fatty acids. The idea is to create a really aromatic beer as it's aged. Mm. Um, yeah, he tried it. Um, when it was young and, and described it as like someone had tried to put a burning corpse out with diarrhea uh, <laughs> a corpse fire um, which was, was pretty succinct and accurate I think yeah. when Max Allen came by he, he thought it smelled like rancid lardo yep. which is I guess along that same spectrum of rotting fat rancid fat yeah yeah um, which I, I get to seem to enjoy. You, you, that's like, because I mean, it's part of the process, right? The, the process well, we, it's exciting that it exists. Like the stinkier it gets, those, those, yeah, through experience and, and just understanding the process, I know that those are a positive thing. Not at, the, at that in that state, but I know that having them there means that they will contribute to a really, really awesome experience later on. And I think that's that's yeah. What I love about wild beer is that. The balance between um, offensive and positive, and the same with, um, you know, stinky cheese and um, natural wine and sour, sourdough and sauerkraut and heaps of natural ferments, you know, you know, fermented chili and that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's organic and it's funky and it's a little bit gross in certain elements. Elements of it on their own mm. are gross, but in the context of the like the whole experience, it's a positive thing, and that's that's what I love about wild beer. And wild fermentation in general. Um, Brendan, I imagine you've got a lot of things going on today. A lot of, pe- lot of people to, to I see. I want to check out what Salty's doing, yeah. Yeah, so we'll let you do that. Um, thank you so much for joining us and talking about corpses and fermentation and oxidation. Thanks, gents. That's what everyone shows up for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. We are back with Salty. How's it going? Good, thanks, Salty. How are you? I'm good. It's Be- odd not talking with you, but being talked to by you. I know. I'm, I'm interviewing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Different dynamics. It's fine. Um, Dave, what's your question around dark? I just sort of was looking to find out like what dark culture is. Yeah, I don't, really, I don't really know what the parameters are. Mostly Satan, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't well, actually I mean, really know. Because I mean, you, you, you are into metal. I'm into metal, yeah. I, I guess I am into a lot of dark cultural stuff, but I don't consider myself really a dark guy. Mm. I guess, I don't know, do I come across as a dark guy? You're very bright and cheery. Yeah. I I don't know, really. Like, I, I think I actually kind of buck against that whole dark trend of, like, if you're into metal, you have to be, like, this grim, frostbitten kind of guy. I think, you know. But most metal, like, metal is a lovely scene. Uh, some of it some is. Some of it? Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a varied scene depending on what kind of metal you go to. Yeah. I guess if you're starting to burn down churches. Yeah. That's dark. That's pretty that's dark. That's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But the fire emitting the light, though. So there's yeah. some irony. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. See, there's like a 
two sides, two sides to every coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These guys aren't so bad, are they? Yeah. Nah. What's the darkest gig you've ever been to? Uh, there's a band called Portal. Okay. Who are like crazy, evil seeming. I don't know. None. Of, I don't think many people know who the guys in the band are because they all wear masks and hoods yeah. and stuff. And I just remember being at that show and their music is really intense and just sitting there, I was taking photos right at the front and I just remember sitting there going, this is really weird. There's a, there was a really strange energy in the room and I don't know if it was coming from their stage presence, yeah. the music or what it was, but I was just like, yeah, there's something really sinister about this atmosphere. Right. I don't know whether it was because there was a lot of really intense metalheads there and I thought a fight could break out at any minute. Yeah. Um, but no, it was very, very strange. I've never felt that at a gig before. What's the band? Portal. Portal. And yeah. where was it? Where? Yeah. In Brisbane. Oh, at right. A place called the are, Globe. They, are they an international band or are they a Brisbane band? Fr- I think they're from Brisbane, but they have. They did go quite big overseas. They tour overseas a lot. Their, um, their lead singer is called The Curator. Yeah. And he's, throughout the years, he's had these different headgears on. So when I saw them, he wore all black, complete black, black gloves. And on his head, he had like the top of a grandfather clock <laughs> with like a black <laughs> face with nothing on it. It's where he could see out. Yeah, yeah. And he just stands and he barely moves the whole gig. He just stands there in one place just going, ooh, <laughs> it's, it's intense. And for a while there, he had like a black mask with like a black pope hat yeah. and a big like weird witch hat that covered his whole face. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Their Dang. music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, the masses of massively crazy Portal fans. Yeah, yeah. Their music is not good. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, tell us about your art, Salty. You sold anything today? Uh, a couple of things. I've had a couple of inquiries about like someone wanted to buy one of the prints off the wall. I told you that would happen. And I had to say, well, they're not really for sale because they're really cheap prints. <laughs> yeah. But... If anyone wanted one, I'll get them a print. Yeah. A nice one. So Awesome. Yeah, yeah. a few people have wandered through and had a look. Um, we don't want to keep you too long because it looks like people are inquiring at the moment. Yes. But, um, it's an awesome looking room though. It, it turned out great. really well, yeah. yeah. I spent a few days in here drawing on the walls Yeah. in preparation for putting up some artworks. Um, you draw a sick um, beer glass pouring out and it's the beer is turning into vines and at yeah. the bottom of the vine there's a hop. So they were the last kind of things I did and I thought I should do something related to the event or to the place because everything else is basically just me. And then I thought, well, I'm at a beer place. I should do something beer related. Can you describe your art quickly for us? Um, it's a mixture of surrealism, dark art, uh, mixed with some whimsy. Hey. hey, that's all right. Nice. Lots of mushrooms. Yeah, I do a lot of mushrooms, lots of nat- like nature, organic shapes and things like that. Eyeballs, leaves, vines. Uh, also, our patrons got your comic. Uh, Top tier patrons got your comic. Okay. Uh, tell us about your pa- your comic quickly. Uh, well, there's only been one issue so far. It's called Maris Gilman, Deep Sea Social Worker. And it's about a social worker who works with creatures of the deep sea. Awesome. And we're going to do some more issues of that down the so track. So written, co-written by Written by Kylie, my wife. Yep. And illustrated by me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I really enjoyed reading it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I look forward to the next editions. Yeah, yeah. 
I reckon you need to go talk to people. Yeah, and I think, uh, okay. People uh, are willing. Uh, head off. Thanks for joining us, though. That's okay. Thank hey, you. Salty, uh, yeah. It's good to talk to you on a podcast. Finally. Yeah. Talk to you on our podcast on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a podcast. Awesome. See ya. Thanks, guys. All right, we are back with Mike Mills from Tohida. Hello. How are you going, Mike? I'm great. How are you guys going? Uh, really good, thank you. That's the way. Now, Dave, can you rephrase your question again around dark? Yeah, what are you, in your, in your words, yeah. like, what makes dark culture? Dark culture? Oh yeah. My God. Um, what makes dark culture is, uh, God, that's a uh, spring, spring in the hard ones on me. Uh, dark culture. Because I didn't like, we came to this to Dark Mass, and I didn't really know. Well, I mean, I obviously, I've got like the. Uh, I know vaguely about what dark culture is, but yeah, I, I didn't know really little. know what it was. Well, I, I guess to me, it's just. Dark culture is just the, the, the kind of. You know, the, the, the music that's kind of. You know, not mainstream stuff, that's what we're hearing in the background here, and just this style of art, and, and uh, that's. that's that's basically all I kind of associate you, with. You I answered mean. it the way we answered it when we were first started talking of right. looking around us and yeah, saying, I, know. And I don't know, that thing over there. Yeah, and thing yeah. Here. this is very much the dark arts, you know, like, you know, yeah. I, know, I guess people can sort of take that concept a little bit further and start getting into more, I don't know, for, 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 for something that's quite dark, it's still pretty, pretty light, I think. Your um, toe hider is prog metal. Is that how you describe it? Yeah, well, it's, I guess so. Um, it's um, it's probably prog rock. Yeah. Which which sort of veers into the you know it's a bit more of a, a broader umbrella, so I can go a bit more metal and a bit more kind of acoustic if I want. You know. Yeah. There's yeah. there's all sorts. Tohido. It goes all over yeah. the place. There's electro stuff. Yeah. Pops up on albums. Well, that yeah. The the idea was always like you know if if one person loves everything that I do, then I'm kind of doing something wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't go into it th- just wanting to appeal to a certain uh, uh, demographic or a certain kind of scene or anything. You know, I just just do what I think is interesting, and and um, some people will love some of it and hate some of it, and that's kind of that's that's the thing that's interesting to me, I suppose. I've listened to a lot of Tohida. I don't think there's anything that's elicited hatred from me. Okay, so right. you need, you okay, need cool. to work a lot harder. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. I'll, um, I'll, I'll have to try harder then. I Can reckon it might be Tohida Eagles covers. If I know, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that would really, that would easy, really, yeah, seventies yeah. easy listening. Yeah, right. or if if, if you do a, an album that's um, inspired by Radiohead, oh yeah, that would, yeah, All that right. would might give it a shot. Then elicit some that's, feelings that's from be me. My new, my new mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us what? Because Tohida's an interesting band in terms yeah. of. It doesn't fit the mould of a normal music project. No, Can you explain what it is? It's more of a collaboration between musician and 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 artist, illustrator, whatever he feels like calling himself. Salty. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's much less of a, a band. You know, I guess when people talk about bands, they think of people getting into a room and writing songs together and playing with each other's ideas and stuff. Or I'm more of a uh, composer, I guess. I don't know where I, I play and and write and play and perform all of the parts myself. Um, and then when we play live shows, I get you know musicians in to, to to join me. But like all of the creative stuff is is a collaboration between Salty and I. Yeah. So it is. I don't. 
I think there have been a few people over the years that have done some similar sort of projects, but um, yeah, it's not necessarily a band, even though we, you know, for, for, for lack of, you know, because people want, they need to put labels on things, I suppose, and they need to, you know, you've got to go somewhere, you know, there's no, there's no other place to put it other than in that band kind of if um, distributing stream. music is going to be your business, you've pretty much got to associate as a band yeah, in some regard. That's right. Anyway. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You played a live show last night, did you? Night before, Thursday night, yeah. Thursday night. What are we? Yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we did, we're doing a, a, a series of three residency shows at the Bendigo Hotel in Collingwood. Awesome. Um, and uh, we're going to be playing some new stuff that I've been writing and, and putting out via our Patreon. Um so yeah, so we're just uh, sort of road testing or, or stage testing some of the new songs and playing a few covers and all that kind of thing. Awesome. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of also, you go to Europe sometimes for the rock opera? You've been once, twice? Uh, yeah, so that was... Um, it's done a few of those albums with, um, with Arion. I and they're, they're like big, right? Sorry? They're big in the in the, the middle world or the, the prog middle world. They're like a big band. Yeah, yeah, over, yeah, okay, over yeah. In, the, in Europe, yeah, it's huge. Like I think the last album, The Source, was, uh, you know, it was like number two in the Dutch charts and stuff right. like that, you know, so it's top 20 in Germany. and But uh, it's relatively unknown over here unless you follow that kind of, those prog scenes. Um, so it's always, yeah, it's always interesting going over there and just seeing the... The difference in uh, the, 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 the just the way artists and musicians are treated versus here, it's quite different. Yeah, so it's always a treat to go over there and play these shows and yeah, meet all the fans, meet, meet sort of like-minded people who are, who are, who are you know, very much into that kind of music. What is the key differences between how they tr- how artists are treated? Um, well, it's it's like when you when you sort of meet fans here, it's. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing necessarily. It's like you, you you meet fans here, and it's like you're almost just sort of treated as a mate. You know, like you just sort of, uh, you know, you just talk like your friends. Whereas over there, it's like, um, it's just this different level of respect, I guess, where you sort of, you know, you, you, the, the fans would talk to you as if I don't know how to put it. So it's hard to describe, but they, you could just very obviously see the amount of admiration and respect that they've got whereas maybe Aussies still feel that but they don't necessarily but like a less, share like it less much. reverence yeah, yeah maybe yeah, yeah. yeah right yeah. play it cool I don't, I don't want this bloke to think I'm a nerd <laughs> yeah yeah just play it cool yeah yeah for sure <laughs> yeah um, I want to ask you about uh, Wuthering Heights oh great uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't have normally asked you about this because you went semi-viral pretty viral yeah it was on Sunrise that's right. Doesn't uh, get any more viral than Sunrise. Yeah. Have you seen the Wuthering Heights cover? <laughs> I have, yeah. It's great. Really enjoyable. Um, and then you took it down off, off YouTube for whatever yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. But I noticed on my Spotify Discover Weekly it popped up now the other day. again. It just Ooh. seems to follow me around. I guess. Yeah. Did you, did you put it back up? Is that uh, you that did that? I didn't do it. No. Okay. Um, the, uh, the label that I put all of the Tohada stuff out, all the, all the public releases, for whatever reason, put it up on there. and Shit, right. And then it's... Uh, yeah, so now, now it's, it's back and um, yeah, I mean like I just got sick of, it's, it's sort of that, that video just sort of brought out the worst in me and sort of revealed a few of my um, character flaws I guess when I got sort of s- stuck into arguing with people in the comments and I just got sick of waking up and looking at my phone and just seeing comments on that video of just people 
saying who's this fat bald guy fucking singing you know <laughs> screeching and then, then there'd be people saying that I was miming and you know and just saying it was sh- I don't know and it just kind of just waking up to that negativity every morning I was just like screw this and so I just yeah just deleted it and life's been so much better without it but now it's back on Spotify but the good thing about Spotify is that you can't comment on things so it's like you know I don't know what, how Perfect. people feel about it so it's good you just know people are listening to it yeah, um, yeah exactly <laughs> that's, I mean that's interesting because avoiding comments but I mean Tohider being very much a, an insular pro- project in the sense yeah. of it's not a band regularly playing out it's, yeah. it's mostly the music is you yeah playing around in your studio and, yeah, and yeah. making music mm. and then having suddenly the, the attention of like what are you doing yeah 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 what are you doing making music <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. how dare you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, yeah I guess it's like YouTube comments is a weird world yeah it is a it's weird. a weird world and like what are you doing engaging with that world you turn comments off and that's right and go yeah, about your life so. yeah yeah because <laughs> um, I tried everything I you know I tried just try to treat the comments like a joke and I guess the other thing was like because it because that video got way m- so much more traction than any of the fucking 200 odd songs that I've put out under the Toe Hider name it was just like just really disheartening it's like oh great you know it's like the yeah it's, 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 it's it, it, n- not much of that traffic resulted in anyone checking out my original stuff so I was kind of yeah. like this is a bit pointless you know and I I work as a as a as a bit of a whore on weekends. I go out and play cover gigs for money. Mm. So, to ha- you know, it's kind of just just mess with my mind. It's like, why have I got this this cover song representing what I do when it's not at all what I what I really do? I don't mm. know. Yeah. So anyway, the the other. All right, <laughs> let, let's move on from that. Yeah. Um, yes, please. If, if you want to see the video, I think the only place you can see it is on like Daily Motion, right? Uploaded yeah, by know. a Russian person, or you listen to it on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's legitimately yeah. good. I, I, I love it. So, um, but the other one that I, I've really enjoyed is um, the Queen cover, oh, yeah. Fiddler something. What's it's that? called the Fairy Fellas Masterstroke. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, an obscure song from their second album. Um, yeah, and that, one, that one's great because, um, uh, well, Brian May tweeted about it yeah. himself and um, so I guess gave the seal of what approval. A thrill. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the flip side of like, that probably represents Toehider's music. Exactly, yeah, because there's such a heavy Queen influence in 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 in, in the in the Toehider thing, and um, yeah, so that that has directly, you know, led people. Which is the whole point of putting covers up on online, in my yeah. view. It's like do a cover to try and get people to go and check out your original stuff, you know. Mm. And that that video has served re- like really well in that in that way. So yeah, it's good. So if people like Queen, if they like. Epic tunes, man! You've got some epic tunes out there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Toe is probably the band for them, or yeah. a band for them. A, yeah. yeah, no, the band, no <laughs> other bands. Just make your choice. No other bands, <laughs> just Toe Hider. Yeah. Uh, where do people find Toe Hider on the internet? Best place is to just Google the word Toe Hider because there's literally nothing else called that. Um, Shit! Can I ask the most obvious question? Why are you called Toe Hider? Um, yeah, well, so my, my daughter used to talk about a thing called a toe hider when she was little. I think she was trying to say something else. I don't know what, but it's just like, that's the, what, how the word sounded. I don't know. And that's, I love that's that. That's a great origin. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Of all the streaming services and the way to access your music, what's the best one for you as an artist? Streaming services? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, purchasing how your music get, is the best way. But 
Oh, um, I, uh, the best streaming service in terms of uh, yeah, how much money I get. Per- I think they're all the same. I think YouTube's the worst one. Okay. Spotify's about in the middle. I can't remember what Apple, Apple Music is, but they're all roughly the same. It's like you know half a cent yeah, per play or something. It's all criminal. Like that. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. it's all it's all pretty. So cooked. you're never going to be a millionaire off streaming. God no, no. Okay. Unless unless you're getting what if you, mi- like, you know, get a song that a goes a month. trillion listens? Then maybe, maybe yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the the average number that gets thrown around is is like point zero five cents per play. So you guys can work out. The you math, do the math, yeah, idiots. Yeah. yeah. I fucking hate math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna do the math. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Bandcamp, and uh, we've got a Patreon as well, which we've just cracked three hundred subscribers, which is really awesome. exciting yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, check out some some toe hider online. I you start with the the theory. Say that again. The theory. The theory of everything. What the no, no, thing? The, the, the theory. Oh, the, the theory. fairy fellas masterstroke. Yeah, by Queen. Um, yeah, that's, that's up on YouTube. Say, did you? I think you did a breakdown of how you recorded that somewhere that I watched. Mm. Was that that oh, one? Maybe. No, um, I can't remember. If you can find that, yeah, watch yeah. it. Um, Please. But yeah, listen to that. It's really cool. And uh, and obviously the theme music to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. And yeah, thank you, Mike Mills from Toyota. Absolute pleasure. Us. Have a good day, guys. Cheers. You too. Dave, do good you show. feel. Go yeah, on. It was good. Do it I feel a- like I got a better understanding of what the dark cu- yeah. culture is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe like the fund, like the foundations of it. I think is probably clearer to me. Um, yeah, good, good insights from several characters. Or well, having someone that does does metal related art, and then someone that sings in metal related bands is a good start. And then someone like Brendan, who like you know, has done the homework about yeah. the like theoretical side of things so what's the darkest music you listen to um well I'm a guitar dude by history so I've listened to a lot of metal in my time so I couldn't I don't know if I could pinpoint it um really but I really like it I mean you don't I do I love it yeah yeah. like I mean because like even if you play guitar at a basic level it's gonna take you into because that's where all the most like technically proficient guitarists arrive at yeah, is in, yeah. in metal so yeah. it's going to take you there at some stage yeah. so even like with a basic appreciation of it you get it yeah 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 yeah, yeah I like I like a Megadeth and a Slayer a lot um, I don't listen to a ton more I used to love Pantera growing yeah, up Pantera, yeah Pantera Sepultura Sepultura well, Sepultura, yeah. Sepultura whatever yeah whatever <laughs> you know exactly what. um, yeah I've listened to some like these days Oh, Black Breath or a, a crossover thrash Black brand, Breath, yeah. and they're they're very like one of their video clips is them playing in a in a giant grave, shot terribly. Sure, um, you know, spit on the cross, burn the witch, kind of like if we were gonna come up with funny black metal titles for songs, these are all would oh, be on the tip, tip of our tongue, I reckon. Yeah, um, and their gigs were funny because like so they, these guys are all here. Like when they play a gig, it's just there's hair swirling. And it's I remember I saw an early video, a, a video of an early, um, you know, Dragon Force? Mm. Dragon Force gigs. They and got big because of Guitar Hero, right? 
Well, they probably. Got more, they crossed probably, over. Probably, yeah. yeah. And I saw it way before that. They did a gig and on their stage, they had like um, giant fans like supported by metal cages. Yeah, so yeah. during solos, they could jump up. <laughs> they could jump up on the fans uh, and yeah, they'd yeah, get yeah, the whole yeah. hair <laughs> thing while they were just shredding guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That is I have awesome. so much respect for that. That's great, yeah. Um, like, I mean, that's like really using your uh, props. Yeah. Black, Black Breath, when I saw them in um, the Reverend Hotel, fucking insane gig. They're all about the fat riffs and then the fast. So fat and fast. Fat and fast, But yeah. the, the crowd was a real juxtaposition between metal dudes that wanted to wave their hair around and hardcore kids that wanted to be... Like, have you ever watched hardcore dancing on YouTube? If you look up hardcore two-step dancing on YouTube, it's hilarious and it's obnoxious and it's the worst thing of all time. There's a lot of like spinning your arms around and kicking, so you flail about. Yeah, right. And so at most, if there's like ten people hardcore dancing, that takes up a whole section of a dance floor. Do they secretly want to like make a sweet connection on a some oh, yeah, sort of roundhouse kick and go? Oh, I was dancing. I don't yeah, know what yeah, you're doing yeah, in the way. Yeah, that's yeah right. definitely part okay. of it. So, and then during the Black Breath gig, the hardcore kids would annoying the shit out of the middle kids, and. Then the hardcore, the hardcore kids started piggybacking each other and doing that, waving their arms. Right. Because the music's brutal. You want to, like, cut sick. It's very good. But then the, the, the most obnoxious hardcore kid I saw was, like, annoying people. And I didn't see him for a while. And then I saw him come out of the, the pit, the area. His face was fucked up. I found out later on that someone just turned around and smacked him right in the face. And, like, there's... Few times that you go, that yeah. that should have happened, and I'm, and I'm glad yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome gig. If you ever get the chance to see Black Breath, it's worth it. They're, yeah, nice, and they're dark, for sure. That's what we're here for. Uh, do we want to do a couple of recommendations? Absolutely. Uh, do you want to start with beer or non beer? Beer. All right. Uh, I'll start with the. Uh, Friends of the show, the Mr. Banks, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like some c- cocoa in Imperial Brown Ale or something like okay, that. Okay, yep. Uh, I had it at a Boilermaker house last night. Like, that doesn't sound like it's going to be dry to me. So my girlfriend got it and I tasted it with like trepidation. But Chris is like killing the flavored beer thing lately. Like that yep. cake eater is amazing. Yeah. Like I never want to have a lacto IPA, but that is delicious. Yep. But same thing again. It's like a super dry brown ale with just a bit of cocoa, uh, coconut there. It just has a little accent. It's delicious. So if you see it, I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was smacking it out of the park lately. Yeah. Um, and he used to be in a hardcore band. So that's all. That all on uh, theme. fits Dark in beer, nice. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, my one is another Victorian brewery Exit Brewing Sent me a couple of their beers um, The Milk Stout Which won gold The gold medal the, yep. yep Did it win the trophy? No trophy I yeah. think as well Yeah uh, And the Double Milk Stout I haven't actually had the Double Milk Stout yet It's still in my fridge But I had the Milk Stout And it was delish Was it the Milk Stout Or the Double Milk Stout That won the trophy? The Milk Stout that won Okay the trophy. right okay. Um, Man it was good It's probably I don't think I'd ever buy a Milk Stout These days Maybe, yeah, it's a hard sell for me. Um, just, I had it on the couch. I mean, the also related um, to all these things, that Mr. Banks, that raspberry milk stout oh, yeah, is yeah, another yeah. banger as well. Yeah. Like, it's a lean, it's a lean, light milk stout with just like 
a little hint of fresh raspberries. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think the last episode we had Chris was talking about it. So the the exit one, it was luscious. It was fun. It was rich. I I finished it. I was on the couch. I must have been watching cricket or something late night, and was just like, yeah, this is this is this is. I can see why this won a trophy. Uh, it's excellent, and I would happily buy more of it. I was surprised, and and, and, I, and I mean that in terms of that style. I wouldn't buy more. I wouldn't think to buy more of it. And I yeah, had it. I'm sure. like, yeah, shit, yeah. I'll, if this was in my fridge all throughout winter, that's I'd be awesome. happy. Exit that's a, that's a great. That's a great recommendation, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout out to the exit guys as well. Um, supporters of the podcast through Patreon. So yeah. Yeah. Too right. Uh, non beer. Yeah. What do you? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Go on. I hope you haven't got mine. Sorry. I hope you don't have mine. That'd be annoying. No, no. Oh, okay. we de- I definitely okay. don't have yours. Mine is a. So we're doing dark recommendations, yeah. obviously. Mine is a show on Netflix called Hyper Hard Boiled Gourmet Report. Okay, go on, yeah. Have you heard of this show, Dave? Uh, you told me about it, yeah. I think. But yeah. So the first episode, it's a, basically, it's very confusing. It's very confusing to understand. Basically, it's a, it, in Japan, they have shows called Gourmet Reports where they might have like a variety show or a game show and then after the game show, they'll have the crew go out or the cast or whatever and eat food and talk about the food while someone in the studio kind of narrates or looks on in a little talking head thing and reacts to what they're having. So it's kind of this community food, you know, it's a new approach to eating food. Also, great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Um, So that's a gourmet report. The hyper-hard-boiled gourmet report is a, a director and like a cameraman going into the most extreme parts of the world and finding out what the people eat that live in the extreme parts of the world. And then someone reacts in What's the corner. What's an example of an extreme part of the world? So the first episode, they go to Liberia. Yeah. They start at the market. They eat with an Ebola survivor who is homeless um, and her... Ebola survivor? Yeah. She survived Ebola. I thought Ebola. you got Ebola and then you no, died. Yeah, yeah. So okay. she talks about all that. Um, they eat with her. I thought her that there was like, re- like not contagious because it kills you too fast. To in- I think she's really one of the few. Wow. Um, and they pretty much eat with her... Like, she's eating rice that her sister feeds her once every couple of days. Like, she is... Her life is not a good life. Um, And, you know, it's... I think it's respectful. It's not poverty porn in that sense. Because the person watching on is kind of reacting, going, I've never heard that term, and it's making me a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then after that, they go to... There's a graveyard nearby where there's ex-child soldiers. So there's a huge civil war in Liberia. I don't know know any of this before watching it. Um, and all these child soldiers that were in the Civil War now are like a homeless. So they've set up like a camp in the graveyard where we, there's all these old tombs, which they pretty much have pushed the bones aside and they just sleep in the tombs to be sheltered from the... That is grim, yeah. Um, and they meet a... He almost gets robbed at the start of this. But I think because they're Japanese, it softens it. Like if it was Americans, it might be a little bit... Sure. A lot more dangerous. But they meet a, a sex worker who's going out on the, the job that evening... And so they say to you know they say to her, "What do you eat?" And she's like, "Well, I, I need to go work, and then I go buy food." And they're like, "Can we come?" So they go along with her while she sort of while she finds work, um, sleeps with the guy, gets enough money for food. Then they go eat with her at whatever that she can afford, which is you know a, a restaurant in a tent making rice and curry kind of a thing. And she shares her food with them, um, and it's that's the that's the show. 
So they, they do like gang members around the world. They do they go to Vladivostok and you know go to Siberia and eat with people there. Um, they eat with people that in Nepal are cremation. Like their job is to cremate people. That's how you know if someone dies in Nepal, you get cremated, you get pushed into the river, and it's people's job just to cremate people all day. Um, and so they go and find out what they eat. So it's pretty much working out what the most marginalised people in the world are. And then working uh, out what, what they eat. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty and good. It's, it's really confronting. It's really full on. It's confusing to watch because the, the, the nature of the, you know, the show is confusing. Sure. And, yeah, hyper hard You're getting boiled. a little slice of the worst parts of life, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and a somewhat respectful slice. Yeah. Um, the last episode is phenomenal. Like, it really... You, uh, I think I cried. Um, it's pretty upsetting. But also thoughtful so yeah hyper hard-boiled gourmet report on netflix and i think it's on all netflix around the world so if you're in america you can check it out watch it anywhere good dave wow simple one follow that (laughs) netflix season two dark i haven't seen that season one's good um yeah season two is out today i think maybe so the top line summary um no just watch it just watch it okay i'm into that yeah Tell me about your internet presence. Uh, at Melba Dave on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Luke. Uh, at Isle of a Time everywhere. If you want to hear more of me and Salty riffing with our good pal Cam, uh, we talk about Anton LaVey, we talk about dark stuff, we talk about all sorts of stuff on the Hypothetical, Hypothetical Institute. We just did an episode about orgones. I don't know what that is. Um, as a teaser, so the best, exa- the best way to tease this show... Peter Brock, the famous race car driver, yep. used to have a little compartment in his cars full of crystals that was harvesting positive orgones. Uh, was he thought it was? I yeah. don't think it actually was because orgones don't exist; they're a made-up thing. But so it was, and it was V8 cars. It was a little crystal chamber that he thought made the car go faster and handled better because right. of positive orgones. And it got to the point where he did a Peter Brock Holden car, like a special release that had these crystal chambers in it. So we explore that this week on the Hypothetical That's Institute. Fine. Yeah, what the hell is going on there? Um, I used to, like, I loved, I saw a YouTube video, and I don't know what you would Google, but I'm sure you can look it up to find it, but it's a split screen of a, um, uh, of during Bathurst or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. he died, like yeah. a pit a pit stop. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the, on the right hand side it's a current day whatever that was 2012 or 2013 of a uh, a pit change with a pit crew versus a Brocky pit stop yeah. and the first one like almost before Brocky comes to a stop the other car is out and back on the track and he's like hanging out the side doing an interview <laughs> doing an interview while they're like doing the other stuff for like a minute and a half or whatever the other guys are out in like nine seconds and he's just like, oh, it's, good. it's a good video, yeah. <laughs> and all that time he had crystals harvesting. Exactly. Getting the good uh, orgones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a fun show. There's also, uh, we talk a lot about Jeff, the talking wombat from the Isle of Man in the 1920s. Why not? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, at Isle of Time, Hypothetical Institute. Thank you so much for to Mike from All Toe our Hider. guests, Mike, Salty, Brendan. What a good show. Yeah, really fun. I yeah. don't feel like it's been brooded. We've got this... I'm going to get a photo of, of our space. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been uh, it's been good. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank uh, you. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>